What's going on, guys? Hope everyone's having a great week. Welcome to the Beyond the Rink podcast with myself, Kevin Wu, and co-host, Mr. Mitch Islam. Say hi, Mitch. Good day, Mr. Kevin Wu. So we've got a really awesome and interesting guest on the show, well-known in the figure skating world, on and off the ice. Um, one of the best showmen, in my opinion, Mr. Elaj Balde, joins us to talk kind of about his career and everything going on in his life right now. Um, before we turn it over to him, you know, I wanted to to bring up a kind of a topic of discussion for the day would be, you know, that injury bug that seems to hit everybody at one point in their career or another. And, and it's yeah. not, uh, you know, one particular thing that could trigger it, but I think it is such uh, a hardship to get through, not only physically, but mentally. And, you know, Mitch, Mitch, you went through it yourself, you know, I mean, it's just such a hard thing to, you you have your day all planned out, everything set for you. And then, you know, the wrench that's thrown at you. I mean, maybe talk about what you guys have been through. You mentioned it before. Um, yeah, both of us were very familiar with that injury bug. And, um, you know, there's there's the face of it. It's it's whatever it is, the sprained ankle, the, the broken wrist, what have you. Um, but, you know, there's a lot behind the injury that that people don't see and and it's it's a mental struggle you you nailed it um there's uh when that rent is thrown into our daily routine as as athletes we're creatures of habit and and uh yeah it definitely it it plays with your your um emotional and mental strength and and it's something that i think is very important to talk about and 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 we don't talk about it enough and uh you know there's there's terrible things that that happen when when these things aren't uh dealt with and um, I think that Elijah is going to speak a lot to to persistence and and to um, dealing with adversity and and how important that is and, and you know coming out the other side when when you feel like uh, you know you're in your your darkest moments. So um, you know don't want to don't want to set the episode up as as kind of a dark episode, but these things are important to talk about, and I think it's going to be really great to have Elijah on to um, you know share his trials and tribulations and dealing with injuries and and how he had to essentially get his mind right. I mean, was there something for you and, and Alexandra that you had to reach out, you had to say something, you had to ask for help? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, or did you just power through it? I mean, I know that's the yeah, athlete mentality of just powering for sure. through it, but for, it's tough. For sure, Kevin, and, and you're right. We were, as athletes, we're, we're programmed to push through and, and make it work. And, um, you know, there's times where we do need to, to take a breath and, and ask for help. And, uh, yeah, Alex and I, um, it's, it's funny because, you know, as, as late, later in our teen years and even into our twenties, we were very kind of independent with, with our mental health. And, um, as, as we got into our twenties and we're dealing with more injuries, um, we, we reached out to a, to a sports uh, therapist and, and, you know, the help we got from, from her was a life-saving, honestly, uh, career-saving. So, um, if, if my message, if you're going to take a message from this, it would be again, slow down, take a breath, talk to somebody, talk to a professional and, and get your mind right. Because, um, if it's not, um, you know, it just is going to continue to compound and snowball until it's dealt with. And, um, yeah, that no, would be I, kind of, it's a, it's a downer to yeah, go ahead. talk about the subject. Uh, yeah. it's a downer maybe to start it off like this, but you know, it, it is such a hot topic that I, I think, um, is starting to get recognized more and you're seeing it through the power of social media and you're seeing it yeah. from the athletes versus, you know, the governing bodies and stuff like that, that, you know, Hey, yeah. we are human beings and there's a lot of people that go through this 
and that you have to recognize if you're at the top of your game or you're just starting out or you're somewhere in between, there are people of all aspects of life that are going through something that you're going through and you got to be able to recognize that in, in for what it is just right there that there are other people doing this i'm not alone yeah you're not you're not alone exactly exactly and i think too it's it's compounded even more in a sport like figure skating where we're you know we're judged all the time right so um there's eyes always on us we're always worried about trying to be perfect and um that can really have a strain on on your you know um mental stability and and i think that uh again we've got to talk about this stuff and and people have to feel comfortable knowing they're not alone and that reaching out for help is is you know something that something that they should be doing and and i think that's narrative that needs to kind of um make a transition so i think uh again we're we're gonna have lots of fun on this show but um um sometimes we're gonna deal with really important issues as well so i'm excited to talk to elage and uh you know yeah, hear how he has navigated let's get into the, it. the whole thing let's, let's do, do it. it let's do it Let's go. With no more introduction needed, let's go to Mr. Elage Balde. Super excited to have on today a good friend of the Jackson team. Uh, we've got a seasoned vet from Team Canada, 2008 junior gold medalist, uh, founder of Skate Global, and I think uh, one of the best showmen on the ice, Mr. Elage Balde. <laughs> <laughs> that's too kind that's too kind what's up i'm happy to be here <laughs> Elaj, let's talk uh your childhood um you, you know yeah quite diverse you're born in russia is that correct yeah 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 born in russia Moscovich. Elaj, I've, born I've, in I've, known you, I've known you for a long time Elaj, and i don't even know if i know the full story i'd love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've actually just side note mitch and i, I think we've known each other i think first time i ever saw you I think I think we were like pre. I was pre novice. I think, and we were all around that same age. We were pre novice, and you. I remember you walking in the crew. The crew of boys that walked the in with their, like, their shade, their shades on, their glasses on, their little like you know their polo shirts. I remember them walking in into the lobby, like you know these little superstars walking in, and I was like, who are these dudes? <laughs> <laughs> Probably had our puka shells on and our polo shirts popped up yeah oh that, yeah oh, there's the some Polish good show. pictures of that yeah. eh? <laughs> exactly Not, nothing says early 2000s like that but no you're right a lot it's just been uh well we're 2020 now so it's been uh probably about 20 years that we've we've yeah. been around each other and kind of grew up competing um at the same time and um yeah. you know just to throw it back at you I, I i'll always remember you walking into the ranks with uh you know the swagger that you always carried and that kind of <laughs> goes back to what uh, Mr. Kevin was talking about there. You're uh, kind of a one-of-a-kind showman. You carried that swagger on uh, onto the ice, and that was something I always respected. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, I was born born in Moscow. Um, my dad is from Africa, um, from the West Coast, a uh, small country called Guinea. Um, he grew up in a, in a small village in the mountains um, where they didn't have electricity, they didn't have running water. They basically uh, lived um you know with with nature in a way they have around 200 cows goats chickens everywhere um everyone there my grandfather and his brothers built their houses with their own hands like very you know they live off the land um and it's uh it's a completely different kind of life that uh we've ever experienced so 
that's kind of where he's from. Um, and then just a little bit of backstory. My parents, he, my dad, um, the, only, the, the reason why he ended up in Russia is because at the time in the 70s, I, I probably, I don't know if it's in the 60s as well, but at least for my dad in the 70s, there was a, some sort of a, an exchange program where like African students um, were allowed to go to the Soviet Union to further their education. So to go to university oh, cool. and, 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 you know, uh, get certain expertise that in Africa they didn't necessarily have. So, so at the time, uh, my dad finished university in Africa. And I think in the whole country, they took, um, I think they take like the top 10 uh, of the country to go every year um, to go to, 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 to Russia or Soviet Union at the time. And my dad was one of them. And so he ended up, uh, I think in 79, he left Guinea. So he left basically the village to go to uh, Moscow. <laughs> so quite a big... Quite bit a of a contrast. Yeah, huge shift in society, huge shift in like just in experience. Um, it's, you know, he, he talks to me a lot about how, you know, how different uh, he didn't even realize that a world's like, like cities like that truly uh existed so he you know he showed up he had six, basically six months to learn the language and then start university in russian um so one of the smartest men one of the most intellectual men um i've ever met so that's how he ended up there met my mom uh, my mom grew up in a small town called perm which is a few hours north of, of moscow um she left though she she was a figure skater herself um until the age of 12, 13, and then they left Perm to go to Uzbekistan because my, uh, her mother um, had work um, in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. So when they moved, when she was 13, there was no rinks in, in Uzbekistan at the time. So she had to stop skating at an early age um, and then spend most of her teenage adult life um, in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, which was Soviet Union at the time. Uh, and so then I come around uh, in around 90, 1990. Um, and at the same time, Soviet Union starting to crash. Uh, right. The government's going down. Um, we were in Germany at the time. Uh, quick side note, I had an older sister who passed away in Germany from, uh, from leukemia. We actually went to Germany because of uh, potential um, treatments and, and, and uh, doctors and the medical system being more advanced in terms of yeah. treating uh, leukemia for kids. So we went to Germany, left Russia in 1990. I think I was like six or 10 months old when we left Russia to go to Germany. Um, and uh, my sister ended up passing away in, in Germany. And then at the time, that was 1991. Uh, yeah, there was no such thing as a union anymore. And so they didn't know if they were going to come back to, to Russia. Well, actually, they didn't want to go back to Russia because the, the situation was so bad, right? It was like, you know, right. Uh, mafia had to, yeah, like, you know, there was, there was no, there's no government and, and no, no one really knew what was going to happen. So they didn't kind of want to go, they didn't want to go back there, especially because my dad being African um, and the racism at the time was so heavy um, that it wouldn't have been a good place to be uh, at that time. And then Germany wasn't a place necessarily that they wanted to stay. Africa, obviously, is not a place where my parents wanted to go, especially my dad and my mom, since, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a place where you can, um, you can build uh, a life and have the same time of opportunities than 
in the yeah. Western world. So that's when they had the opportunity to come to Canada. They actually almost went to Australia. So I might have been an Australian kid. Who knows? <laughs> if my parents would have decided to go to Australia, I would have been, I would have had a different life. Maybe I would have been a surfer. Who knows? Chance brought you to, to Canada, you know, just the opportunity. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, we were, I'm pretty grateful um, that we came to Canada. Obviously, it helped my parents because, you know, Montreal is a French-speaking country and my dad, coming from a French-colonized country, he spoke French. Uh, so it made it easier for him to, um, you know, to, to get in to a new city and and you know and start figuring out how to how to live in a new world um so yeah so that that being said um fast forward six years um i'm a young kid doing piano lessons and my mom quickly realized that it was not necessarily the place for me to be since you know within i don't want to say within five ten minutes of being in the piano lesson um, I was just running around the piano trying to backflip off of it. I had too much energy to sit there, <laughs> too much energy to sit there and just, you know, play keys for an hour. Um, I, I needed to blow steam and just run. So, uh, so that didn't really work out. Uh, then we went to, um, gymnastics. Uh, so I did gymnastics for a few months, but I got kicked out of the school because I had too much energy. I wasn't able to follow the rules and <laughs> I wasn't able to follow the line. I, I, there's a video that we watched not too long ago of, you know, it's like a presentation. Parents can come in and watch the kids do, uh, you know, do their tricks and everything. And there's like a line that you have to, you know, you have to wait in line to do, to do the next, uh, uh, like, uh, the next station. And I would just, I mean, I had, I hadn't care about a line. I just cut everyone off. I just went, jumped back, flipped off of it, landed, landed on my head, got this back up, ran to the so next station. Much. <laughs> this, this is, this is the Elage that I know and love. Yeah. Hey, who, who gave yeah, their kid just, sugar before recital over here? He's running around. Yeah. Yeah. And so then what brought it, what brought it around to, to figure skating a lot? Yeah. So, so that's, so I got kicked out of the school. Um, because you know, the, the teacher basically told my mom I was too crazy. That was the, that was the reason. Uh, so she then was like, okay, well let's try figure skating. She was, my mom is extremely passionate. Um, she loves figure skating. She, she, I mean, she did it herself for a few years. And so, you know, she decided to try me out with that, put me on the ice. And I want to say that the first four years of my skating career, um, I spent it doing everything, trying to not skate. I hated it. I actually hated skating. <laughs> I didn't want well, anything what was to it? do. Uh, you know, I, th I think just simple things like I hated being cold. I hated falling <laughs> all the time, you know, being on the ice. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily enjoy, like my mom would tell me that I would just, I literally would just sit, like gather snow and then just like, wash and and try to clean the windows that's what i would do for like an hour <laughs> just because i was so bored and i didn't <laughs> i didn't know i didn't really want to do that were you good um, at it though and so like, I, could I, you do it could you i mean like i was great yeah yeah like the first time i put skates on i think I, my mom told me it's like first time i put skates on like i did i went and did like a backspin and oh, then she put me into like uh um like uh, what's it called um like can skate, I guess. Uh, they could yep. can skate back then. I don't know if that's what it was called, but 
Um, and then I remember like, like having white skates still, I didn't have black skates, having white skates being there. And that at one point we started playing, um, we were all within that middle blue circle and we started playing like tag. And I remember like, and that's one of my first memories of skating. I remember kids not being able to catch me. I was literally like jumping and like, and like sliding underneath and like turning around, like kids weren't able to touch me. So I felt very comfortable, very young. Um, but I, I just, I just didn't like being cold and I didn't like being out there. So <laughs> and your mom's there my, saying, look, you're, 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 you got a big party that's rushing a lot. You've got to embrace the cold, my man. <laughs> right. Right. And then I'm like, well, I got a bar big part that's African and, I think that in terms of uh, cold and heat, uh, the African side wins because I do not do well with cold. <laughs> uh, I think, and I think we've had this conversation before, Elijah, and I've, I have it with, you know, our skating peers all the time. Like we all, at one point or another, think we chose the wrong sport. Why didn't we pick yeah. beach volleyball or golf? Or yeah, sunshine. Yeah, like honestly, I, I, and again, I guess you know, people are like, yeah, but you're a figure skater, like you should be used to it. No. No, no, it doesn't ever like used that. to you it. Just, you no, don't no, just you never get used to it. <laughs> yeah, you don't just get used to a cold. You, you, it just doesn't happen that way. So, um, so those were all things that kind of like were, I guess, some of the reasons. And they don't make really, they don't make any sense. Really, it was all just like you know, I just didn't didn't like it. And I went as far as like hiding my skates in my closet and then telling my mom that I lost my skates. That's how bad it went. I would literally would tell so my now, mom, I was like, mom, I, I lost my skates. I, 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 we can't go to the rink. I don't know where they are. I think I lost them. And she would literally like go through my closet and go through all my things. And then finally she would find them, throw them in my bag and then put me in a car and drive me to the rink. And then I had to get on the ice. So that's. So when that's, did you, uh, when did you turn the corner? Elijah? What, what made you start to love it? Because obviously you have this passion for skating. What, what, where did you turn the corner? Yeah. Um, well, it kind of, it kind of started, um, I want to say around the age of 10. That's when I started remember, that's when I remember like starting enjoying, um, like, okay. So one of the main things that I enjoy in skating, um, is, is jumping. Um, I, I love jumping and I remember being like 10 years old and starting to land jumps that, um, that, you know, kids my age at the time didn't necessarily land and i remember it, i remember feeling so proud and being like oh my god this is so cool and i remember the feeling also like landing a new jump and you know or working on a jump and then finally getting it uh the feeling was just so so powerful and so fulfilling um that i remember being like oh my god like i'm so down i want to keep working on these jumps and get better at them um i think i was 10 and i was you know doing double axle like triple toe probably like triple style too. I was, I was starting to, I was starting to get a couple triples in there, um, which felt, it, it just felt really good. And then I also started like, you know, winning some competitions here and there. So I also saw that like, okay, I have, I have, obviously I have, uh, you know, talent and something and, going on, you know, something going on here. And I, I feel like if I really, you know, put my mind to it, um, I can do something pretty good with this. And um, the other aspect was, you know, we had, we had like our fir my first like club show. Um, and I remember that being pretty cool because I was like free. I was like, I can do whatever I want. And then my coach, right. you know, had choreographed something. And I remember starting the number. I was like in a, in a side split all the way down <laughs> with my head on my hands and just like pretending to sleep. 
Like that's how I started <laughs> the number. <laughs> you still do you still start numbers in a side split? Oh. <laughs> Dude, my body would break in a million pieces. I would. Oh I would yeah, you could, you could do it once. Once and then I wouldn't come back up. Yeah, that was exactly. that, that would be it. <laughs> um, no, I, so I don't, I'll let you keep. I'll let you keep going a lot, but it's just to run a parallel. Like I, I, I felt very similar feeling to you. I think as a young kid growing up, I was in a whole bunch of different sports. You know, trying to get a feel for what I really liked, and I, I didn't like skating. Really, you know, it wasn't at the top of my list either. And then you kind of get past that age, ten, eleven, twelve, and and you start to get some, you know, some results, some successes, and. And you realize, hey, I'm I'm actually pretty good at this, and I think yeah. that goes a long way in 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 kind of making you um, enjoy something. But then the other side of it was was kind of what you're alluding to, like you start going to competitions, you start doing these shows, and you start meeting people, and you start to socialize, yeah. and you you see them over and over and over again, and then all of a sudden, you know, your your part of your love for the sport is the relationships you have in it. So I think yeah. that was that was kind of the same thing for me around the same time in my life that that sort of adjustment started. Yeah, started shifting. Yeah, I mean those those are all like you know things that you know looking back, it's like that that's you know I, I feel like I didn't necessarily realize that's what was happening, but looking back, you know it's 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 clear that those played such big a big role in um, you know in the continuation of 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 our careers. Do you think um, there's a there's an aspect to it? you know, you two being males in the sport that the sport has this like, and I don't want to say it, uh, but there's some femininity to it. Is that right? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Butcher words to oh, it. Oh yeah, for sure. But as like a 10 year old kid, you kind of look at it like, am I doing the sport I want to do or for do sure. I want to go play hockey or whatnot? And then you start realizing, you know, oh no, I, you know, there's the performance aspect to it. And I always like look at like, you know, Elaz, you said you started in, you know, white skates. Nathan always has that infamous story in the picture. He started in white skates and, and a lot of the guys don't like it. And I start seeing, and even then I see a lot of talented kids, boys at the rink uh, locally here. And it just seems to to drop off as maybe that's just yeah. Um, yeah. part of that. Well, aura that uh, comes with the sport or for me, like that, that played a massive role in my, in my life. Even, even like into my, you know, late teens, early, early twenties, like those were things that I, I had to look back at and, and, um, and heal from, because like, this is a, tr this is like, this is really uh, an important thing to talk about is the way that like boys in figure skating are perceived, uh, in society. And, you know, for me, it's like, I, I never saw the sport as, feminine because i was exposed to like growing up obviously my mom being russian like the first skaters and the only skaters i truly watched and knew when i was a kid were like alexa yegud and evgeny plashenko um you know uh Ilya kulik like all those guys that were like so you know very strong and and they had right. they had such a such a unique style that i remember you know not necessarily viewing figure skating as like a, a feminine sport until society put that upon mm -hmm. me yeah it's a and so I, I, the, the, the people around you that that you're like you don't really understand yeah. right and it, that, that that's the biggest roadblock is that people really don't understand and it, it sucks yeah right? i was just i mean it's it is a it is something we need to talk about i think it's an issue in our sport um there's there's not enough boys in the sport and i think this is a big reason why um yeah. you know is, is is these kind of stigmas attached to being a male in the sport and, and, you know, that you're, 
you're you're not manly enough or whatever it's 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 garbage and and you know it's like a lot said it's something that um as young people growing up in the sport you, you had to you had to deal with it you had to you had to kind of heal from it once you were out of it when you were in it yeah. it felt kind of all encompassing but i think the big thing for me was that um you know again it goes back to being relatively successful from a young age and and so you're kind of just confident in your identity and who you are and you know mm-hmm. what you're doing and and you have a direction and um but i don't think every every boy feels that growing up in skating it's it's all kind of circumstantial and individual um experiences and so again like it's something i think we need to talk about and we need to have boys feeling comfortable um you know to to lace up to lace up their jacksons and, and jump on the ice um yeah but i think it i think it's definitely something that needs to be to be addressed and and i don't know what the answer is but um i think it all it all as always it, it boils down to just um, people being tolerant of, of other people. And, um, that's, as, as we all know, that's something that, uh, is not necessarily the case in the, uh, in the world today. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but it's something to talk about. No, I think that, I think the, the sport and you guys as athletes, the, the athletes are doing, you're, you're the voice. I see more, you know, talking about it. It, it goes for girls too. There's no one way or another, but it's, it's again, like you said, being comfortable with who you are and what you're doing and, yeah, people have to allow you to be comfortable, not to judge. I agree, you and I, and I think you know, I, I, um, I think for me, it, it really, um, it, like you said, uh, mentioned Kevin, it's an important topic to talk about, and and I spent some time, you know, I you know I do, uh, you know, I teach seminars, and one of the things that we do is we gather up all the boys in a seminar, and we get <clears throat> all the the faculty, uh, the guys that are there, and we just talk, we talk about our experiences, because again, it's like boys are getting, you know, are leaving the sport. Because, not because they don't love it, but because of what society does to to to, to their the ridicule. Um, their, yeah, and 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 again, it's like I spent like I spent years of my career literally lying to people when they asked me which sport I was doing. Years, incredible. Like well, well into my 18s, I was already junior national champion. I was already wow. competing at the senior level, and when people would ask me which sport I would do, I would say soccer. Or I would say track and field. I would do everything not to say figure skating because of the reaction it always yeah. brought. And yeah. I was tired of it. And I remember my first experience with with this type of um, you know, this type of situation yeah, that definitely. makes you kind of like rethink and look at what 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 is what is society trying to tell me right now? And I remember being like, I think I was like maybe like uh, eight or nine. Um, and I remember coming back or like 10, maybe 10 years old. I don't know. I remember coming back from a competition and it was my first, my first gold medal in a competition. I remember being so happy and so proud and, and like I had been skating for like four years and I was finally like starting to land, you know, the difficult jumps and I went to a competition and, and won and I was just so, so, so happy. And I was so happy that I didn't even take my costume off. I kept my medal on my neck, got into the car. And I had my costume on with shoes on and we just drove home. It was late. We were coming home. And I remember as we're driving in to, to our neighborhood, um, we parked the car and my neighbor, one of my friends at the time was outside playing. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so exciting. I'm going to go and show him my medal. Like I'm so proud. And you know, it's, it's, it's so exciting. So I remember running up to him and, and showing my medal and being like, look, I like I, I won I won this competition. And then he looked at me and literally said, 
what are you wearing? And I was like, I remember at that moment being like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. I was so confused because I was like, I was like, okay, I was like, I, 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 I'm like, I'm super excited about this. I have this, you know, I have this thing that I'm so proud uh, to show. And then the first thing that I get is judgment for what I'm wearing and, and what I'm, what I, what I'm, what I've decided at that time to do, you know, and really put my mind to it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm being judged for that by, 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 by what I'm wearing. And I remember that like literally like going to my heart and I remember like being so upset and, and, and starting to question, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe society doesn't necessarily see this as the, you know, the same way that I, that I see this. And that just kept piling on experiences like that on and on and on. Like, you know, people, you know, me saying, yeah, I'm a figure skater. And people were like, oh, that's a girl sport. Or, hey, I'm a figure skater. Oh, are you gay? Like, literally, at like, like 11 years old, like kids being like, oh, you're, you're, you're gay because you're a figure skater. Oh, not that I could have been. Who knows? Like, at the time, like, I, you know, but the fact that that's the, that's what you get from, from society and from everyone that's around you, that's the first reaction that they get. It, it just it just that's puts you in a state where you're right. like Society's, I don't I, like I don't yeah. want to be dealing with that. So it's either I leave the sport and don't deal with these things, or I in my case I was like I'm just gonna pretend that I'm not a figure skater yeah. and just say that I do a different sport. Um, I wouldn't say because of it, but it definitely you know because a lot of these things were downloading in my subconscious, and so a lot of the decisions I was making and things that were things that would that I would be inspired by was almost like i had this lens over my eyes that had uh this type of um you know this this whole concept and this whole idea behind it and so you know there was a time in my life where it's like i remember just being like i i, I didn't necessarily see myself being a successful figure skater but there was nothing for me to look at in figure skating yes of course i was inspired by alexei yagudin i was inspired by uh, Evgeny Ploshenko, but also as a as a boy who's be who's seen in society as a as a black boy, um, I didn't I I never really was able to identify myself with someone, a successful black man in skating um, that I felt like I wanted to be like that person, and so I remember growing up and like actually wanting to be a basketball player or a soccer player or wanting to be a hip hop dancer, break dancer, or a rapper. You know, I was I was inspired by all these all these guys that kind of looked like me and I was like, okay, this is, this is something I can look at and I can see that I can be successful at these things. And all of that is obviously subconscious. I'm not like actually sitting there thinking about all of that. Cause I'm so, you know, you're so young as a 10 year old, yeah. you know, as a 10 year old, that's not the, the process that, that goes through your, through your mind, but subconsciously, those are all things that are, that are kind of happening. So I remember there was a time where it's like, I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to keep skating. I remember being like 12, 13, 14, even though I was getting better and better, I still in my mind was thinking that in the future, I'm going to be, a, I'm actually going to be a successful basketball player. That was one of the things I was like, I'm going to be a basketball player. That's one of the things that I remember being like, this is so cool. These guys are cool. This is, this is who I want to be. I want to be like these guys. And I never had something to relate to in figure skating that gave me this same feeling. So going through all of that during difficult moments and all these things. Yes, of course. I, there's so many times where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, you know? And, and all of these little factors played a massive, massive role. And again, the lack of representation in our sport is something we talk about a lot, but you know, it, it, it truly has an effect on a young, 
a young skater, whether you're you're a boy or a girl, you know, not being able to identify yourself with someone in the sport um, subconsciously uh, doesn't necessarily uh, make you want to do that or makes yeah. you or it doesn't necessarily make you feel like you can be successful at it how does that role now how does that sort of mold your role in the sport now Laj? You, you've been that guy you've been at the top level of the sport and and you know being being a black figure skater has, has that kind of entered your conscious of, of how you know you need to um assist the next generation coming up i mean absolutely that's why i do what i do you know that's why i have you know, I, I work on Skate Global, and of course, that's a portion of it. It's not the only reason why, but it's it's a right. it's a it's a massive one. You know, I, I get I get emails from parents being like, you know, my kid is only sticking with the sport because he's inspired by you. And I look at the pictures wow. and it's young kids that are mixed like me, half white, half black, or young black kids, or even you know some kids that identify more with the Russian side of me uh, because I have that in me, you know, and, and I think that that is, 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 is extremely crucial and it's important. And, and that's why it's important for me to be as, as vocal and as present, uh, in people's lives as possible so that people can see that, you know, there are people that can be successful in the sport. And again, it doesn't mean you have to go to the Olympics. I never went to the Olympics, you know? And so that's not the only, that's, that's another part of the things that we, 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 we work on is that to be a successful skater, it doesn't mean you have to make it to the Olympics because that's another portion, portion of, you know, elite sport and, and figure skating culture is like, you know, the, the, the feeling of, you know, not making it to the Olympics makes you feel like you've just wasted your entire career. You know, that's something we all went through. I'm sure Mitch yourself is like, you know, at some point it's like when you look at that and you look at, okay, if I don't make it to the Olympics, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, you, I, would, I, I remember feeling like I would, I would be a failure. You know, this idea that if, if you're not sort of world champion or if you didn't go to the Olympics, it's like, what, what's the point, right? We have yeah. it's this kind of culture where if you're not number one, you're, you're nothing. And, and yep. yes, for example, myself, Alex and I qualified for the Olympics, but I spent um, a lot of the later part of my career feeling like I was in the shadow of all these other you know fantastic ice dance teams that right. were on the podium at every competition they went to and and that's something that i struggle with and it and it's and it, it's not a great you know feeling as an athlete to not feel um like you're being rewarded for the work you're putting in but um we know this we we woke up every morning and, and got our butts to the rink and worked our butts off and um yeah i think you're nailing it like there's there's a discussion to be had about the value of, of skating as just a sport for for life kind of idea absolutely and and also as a as something that you feel like you can find fulfillment in without it being tied to the material Result. things like results medals yeah. um and, and and valid and like you know the the validation uh, of being able to like, especially in singles, like do all the jumps and the quads and all these things. It's like, not everyone's going to do all these things. I, you know, not everyone's going to be like Nathan Chen, but on the other side, not everyone's going to even land a triple axle. And then not everyone's going to even land a triple in their careers, but how right. can they, how can they feel like they are successful and how can they feel like potentially I can still be fulfilled with the sport, even though the sport tells me that if I don't do these jumps, then I'm not good. I'm not good enough, you know, and there's ways right. to do that. And one of the most important ones is to focus on what fulfills you and what, and especially if you love the sport, then why, you know, why do you truly love the sport? Not, not like, Oh, I love competing. Yes. It's okay. That's, that, that's fine. But what, you know, com competing could actually have a negative effect on you too. It's like, if you tie your love for competing to results, then 
again, if you don't reach those results, you're constantly disappointed with yourself. And so if you love right. competing just for the sake of competing and performing, great. That's awesome. Then focus right. on that. And that potentially will bring you the type of fulfillment that you want in this in, in, in this lifetime and in this career. Because um, too often we see even even champions, you see champions that feel like they haven't done enough. Like right. I, I know I know uh, Olympic champions and some some world champions that are feel like they could have done more or they yep. felt like in certain moments they weren't they weren't enough. So if that's if that's the case, then, you know, why this obsession of right. wanting to achieve those things and i feel like one of the main things is like you know we all think at some point in our careers um and sometimes even people realize that after the fact but you know we have this 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 like notion that once we get that medal or once we win in this competition we will be happy and we will be good right. and we will be fulfilled and like everything's going to be great but then soon after that you know even if you do win that olympic medal you know you want something more it, it, you want you want something more and the feeling you know dissipates and you also realize that like this thing that i've been working on so hard and like i've been i i you know sacrificed my life blah 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 all these things for this piece of metal you know it, it, after after a certain time it's like you you look at it and that you know the, the feeling is not there anymore whatever you felt when you won that medal is gone and so you're just left with a piece of you're left with a piece of metal and 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 the feelings that you have in the moment that are not different than before uh before winning that medal you know everything you're experiencing on the human level uh internally is is still there none of that will change because of um of of a of a gold medal you know so that's that all of that is part of skating culture and those yep. are things that, and, and not just skating culture, but just elite sport culture, but in skating in general, uh, just in general, even at the recreational level, it's really hard to do it just for fun because you're constantly being compared to and being told that in order for you to feel good and be good, you need to be doing all these things. Um, and yep. so that's part of kind of what I'm, what, you know, what I want to do and the importance of, of, you know, the role that I want to play in figure skating right now is kind of being a voice for for, for these types of uh, perspectives and and potentially try and and, and, and change some of the um, you know some of the ways that that figure skating is is uh, having an impact on um, on on people and uh, and I think it's 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 an, those you know those are all important conversations to have and to tie it back to you know my experience as a you know as a as a black uh, skater it's like you know I uh, you know, I went through that phase where I, you know, I wanted to be a successful, uh, you know, black person and not seeing that in figure skating. I then went through a phase of my life where I started changing my identity to trying to fit more of what figure skating successful athletes look like. So I started wearing more of you know the 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 the, the preppy pop collar kind of shirts uh you know the the lacoste shoes what are you saying to <laughs> yeah. mitch no, over here because, poor, because poor skating 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 was no but but you know it's not just it's not it's, it's not mitch it's just the skating like in canada like everyone that was successful in no, skating no. was had this type of style it's a culture, it's, it's a culture exactly I, you you want to yep. fit that culture of like looking a certain way and and fitting the mold and and skating that's the thing is that skating forces you to fit a certain mold yep. that doesn't judge necessarily sport, allow right. you it's a judge sport exactly so you have to fit a certain mold and that that mold is already super tight and then bringing in uh you know a, a skater of color or, or any type of minority um it makes you it makes it puts you in a position where you have to almost like um 
get rid of that part that is not uh you know that is not welcome your identity almost, your, right? yeah your, yeah like for me i had to yeah. i had to at some point i felt like i needed to remove uh the my my black side and and focus on 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 my white side and kind of like you know mold myself to fit more of that kind of that kind of character and um and so i you know it, i spent years kind of like you know changing even my style of music on the ice my style of choreography all these things kind of started shifting towards that direction and you know and and, and i wasn't necessarily f fulfilled from that and i wasn't i didn't it didn't necessarily feel um like it was it was me you know i was i was trying to um i was trying to i was trying to be i was trying to be someone else in a way you know right. Um, and, and it came a time where I, I, I realized, you know, um, through, you know, certain group of friends and, and things that I was really starting to, uh, you know, bring to my awareness that, you know, I, I have my own style. And I remember even my hair, like when I started growing my hair, I had people in Skate Canada and coaches and choreographers tell me, you need to cut that. Like that looks mm -hmm. nappy. That looks like, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not clean. It's not clean. What? Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you mean yeah. it's not clean? <laughs> what, curly hair? Like, a curly hair that kind of, like, falls out that is, is yeah. bigger than you're what like, you're used to is not hair. clean? Like, what do you what do you mean by that? You know, so it's yeah. like, there were so many times where, and at some point I, I decided, you know, I was like, uh, F it. I, I'm, I'm gonna just do me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with what I want to do. And that's when I started really falling into my style, which... I am so happy I went in that direction because that is right. who I am now as a figure skater. It's like the the funk, the hip hop, the the soul, the the the, the jazzy vibe, bluesy. You know all these styles that I really connect with. Um, I decided to go in that direction, and and I got a lot of resistance at the beginning with costumes and music. Like, oh, you can't skate to that. You shouldn't skate to that. Judges are not gonna like this. They're not gonna like that. And I went through a time where I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna do it like this. And do, do you remember you know, at and, and, what point in uh, your career this was like, like, um, you can ballpark it. I want to say right, right before I won junior. So I want to say like I was 17, maybe like around 2006, 2007, maybe more 2007, 2008, actually. Mm -hmm. so like that year, I want to say is the year that I, 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 I had an African program for my short program when I won, yep. uh, yep. when I won junior. And that was the first year that, that I went program. back. Yeah, and I, I, that was the first year I went back to that style because when I was like 10, um, I had an African program and, you know, I was playing with some, uh, you know, Russian music, obviously that was a lot more popular, but I was also dabbling around with different styles and, and I didn't touch any of that until, uh, until that year, 2007, 2008, when I won, when I won nationals. And so at that point, I started really being like, okay, you know, I, I, I can do this style and I can do it. I could do it well enough that people see it as, as something that's, um, that can be, that can be good. And, and, and I, I really started diving deeper into that. And, and now every time I chose music or chose costume or anything that had to do with, with skating, um, I kept that in mind that I, I, I wanted it to feel real and I wanted it to feel, uh, like me and authentic to who I am as a human being and not have to change uh, my style and fit the mold of, of, of figure skating culture, you know? And just having known you for a long time, Elijah, and, you know, following your career over, you know, how it's been decades, you're, 
your best work was always the work that you were comfortable with, whether it was the the African program. And, and I think that's the kind of the, maybe the, the lesson in all this is that you've got to just be true to who you are and, and embrace who you are and show the world who you are. And, and that's, that's going to bring you success in, in whatever avenue it mm-hmm. might be. But, um, absolutely that never that that never translates right yeah absolutely i i I totally agree and and i think that's one of the most important things that we can take as as caterers but also as as human beings it's like you know you know following following with your you know it's like it's you know gimmicky thing that everyone says you know follow your heart follow your heart but you know in in a way it's like you got to follow what speaks to you you know and once you do that and it's authentic you know you'll feel fulfilled with what you do no matter the, the the outcome of course uh, outcome uh will come too as well the more you're fulfilled with your career the, the with your with yourself and you and what you're doing the more you're you're authentic to what you're doing um you know the the easier success uh success can come and and at least for me that's how it started and 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 then it's like you know when i really started getting into that that vibe and that groove i started getting better at it as well at that style and so it started speaking to 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 bigger crowds and and audiences and you know i ended i ended my career with literally wanting to skate to only the things that i wanted to skate and 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 i had you know an incredible amount of success with it and 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 you know judges and audiences around the world um, have you know have told me how much they've appreciated my style and how refreshing some of these things are and and yeah. I, you know and and I'm glad I actually went through everything that I went through to find that because you know if if not I wouldn't have I wouldn't have necessarily found that um, that style but you know it took me years to 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 craft it and to and to really dive deeper into what I what I want to do and how I want to be uh, you know what are the things that I want to be um, skating to and and. It, honestly, in 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 real truth, it wasn't until my last, you know, almost like my last three years, but especially my last season, that I was actually fully uh, allowed uh, allowed myself to let go of mm-hmm. anything else but me and my performance and and what I wanted to do, which is connect with with an audience, you know, because up until that, up until that point, you know, there was still, you know, the fact that you want to please Skate Canada, you want to please the judges, you want to please coaches, you want to please people. And so that still kind of pulls you in directions that are outside of you um, because of that wanting to please. Um, And that takes a while to, to unpack, you know, that's, um, that's, that's just a reality of, 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 of what we do. And we have to go through that process in order to really be in a space where you can truly be true to yourself and, and, and operate from that space. And so take that a lot. Do you feel like it's true? Because I was, go ahead. I was sitting in the stands in, uh, I believe it was Vancouver at your last Mm -hmm. national championships. Mm -hmm. And I remember I'm getting actually goosebumps right now. Just thinking about it. But you finishing mm-hmm. that program and everybody jumping up on their feet for you, for this guy that they knew this was kind of the, the last dance, so to speak. Yeah. And I just, just sort of the, the joy and relief on your face and, and, you know, the hug I gave you in the concourse after the fact. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? I'm getting butterflies just thinking about it. So maybe you could just talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that as, as kind of your last dance. Yeah. I mean, I, I have chills talking about it because that was literally the most powerful experience of my life and i have to talk a little bit of, i don't know how much time how much time we have but as long as um, you want I, I, as long as you want 
Okay. Well, I, I'm going to give a bit of a, a backstory behind that because that that is truly, um, I think, the most important factor. Yeah. Let me take you back to 2015 because that that it's an important key. 2015. Um, up until that point, I was still fully uh, immersed in the mindset of I'm going to be Olympic champion. And I'm going to be world champion, and that's who I am, and that's my career, and that's what I identify with, and that's what I that's who I am. So that's like around 2014, 2015. Um, I I was, and you know, I don't know about you, Mitch, if you if if that was kind of the driving factor in in your career, but for me as a kid, even you know, growing up, even though it wasn't a sport that I truly wanted to do when I started. Um, because of the Russian mentality, because of some of the concepts that were downloaded uh, in my brain, in my mind, um, I skated to be the best. And if I'm going to do this, then I'm going to be the best. And if I if I'm not the best, then uh, then I've, I, I what's the point? You know, if if I, that's yep. not what what's going to come from it, then why you know why am I doing this? So that's kind of like how my entire career was fueled, and in a way, it, it played. Uh, you know, it, it did good things in terms of like the progress and, and the fuel and the motivation. Um, but it did a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of suffering toxic. was surrounded by that. A lot of toxic, and toxic, toxic things come with that, especially mentally and emotionally um, because of that type of mindset. So anyways, 2014, 2015, that was the year after the Olympics. I didn't make the Olympic team. Obviously, it was a devastating uh, time for me. Um but bringing it back to then the next national, Patrick wasn't competing. And so at that year, you know, I was like, well, this is the perfect time for me to, you know, win nationals right. and start my right. journey to being Olympic champion. This is, this is my time. And so that was kind of the mindset that I was in. Um, and then going, you know, going into the into nationals about a month before, my dad uh, called me and was like, like your your grandfather, so his dad um, just fell into a coma, and uh, and I need to go to Africa in case he passes away. I want to be there. Um, this is my dad mm -hmm. talking to me. In case he passes away, I want to be there. Or if he wakes up, I want to be able to speak to him. You know, um, yeah. for a moment. Uh, who knows? Maybe the last time before he before he goes. And he said, I want you to come with me uh, because it's, it's it's you know you need to meet him. And one of the most important things in our culture and my dad's culture um, is because my dad is my grandfather's first son and I'm my father's first son. Um, me meeting my grandfather is, uh, is an extremely important process in uh, just, just in our culture and the, the continuation of, of the family, the generations. And, you know, we, we had to meet at least once before all of this, you know, before, before he passed away, because uh, again, it was extremely important to our family and to our culture and to my grandfather who wanted to, 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 to see who, uh, who, um, who his son's first son was like this. It, it was, it's just a, an extremely important thing for us. So, uh, but at that time, again, explaining to my dad with the whole mindset of, you know, I need to be a national champion. I I'm going to be Olympic champion. I don't have time. Right. It's like, everything that's surrounding my career and this type of mindset has, you know, has not, hasn't allowed me to 
focus on truly one of the most important things in life, which is which is connection with human beings and family and and mm-hmm. that type of that type of bond. Um, so I wasn't allowing myself to do that, especially because I was you know I was getting ready for for national. So I kind of told him that and said, listen. Um, you know, if, you know, if, if, if you go and, and he wakes up and everything's good, like maybe by the time, uh, the season ends, which is after world. So maybe in April we can go. And my dad's like, well, I'm not going to wait till that point I'm going. So it's like, so anyways, we left it at that. I kept training, training, training. Finally, it's like, uh, a week before nationals. Um, my father called me and was like, listen, your grandfather's out of the coma. Um, I'm definitely going, basically he was going, I think a few days after nationals. He's like, I'm going, uh, at that time, like, you, you, like, I really, really, really want you to come. And again, I was like, well, I'm going to qualify for four continents and worlds. You know, I, 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 my, I probably won't be able to, but since he's awake now, you know, hopefully he'll still be around, uh, in April, May. So like that, I can, you know, uh, as soon as the season's over, I can go and meet. Um, so then that we left it at that. I kept training, go to nationals. Um, I had this massive expectation and, you know, that I set on myself and, you know, I was, I was ready to be that national champion. <laughs> and, uh, and as we know it, that didn't happen. And not only it didn't happen, but I literally had the worst national championship I think of my of probably of my career um it was it was a complete disaster and it almost felt like it was crazy it's like the whole time I was there it just felt off I felt off it felt wrong it didn't feel I I didn't feel like myself like even in practices I wasn't doing well like I wasn't I just wasn't it just wasn't good and when I stepped on the ice for the short program I think I I don't know. I think I fell like twice in the short and like 20 million times in the long. It was just a bad, bad, bad competition. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, that happened. And then literally the, the, the moment I realized, and I was kicked off the national team too. So, you know, it, it was, it was bad. So when I realized that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to go to four continents or go to worlds, I called my dad right away and I was like, listen, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm coming. So I booked my flight. And a few days later, we were off to to Africa, and and that that experience changed my life in ways that I wasn't even uh, could could happen. You know, obviously going to Africa, I think everyone knows that you know there's a certain perspective and paradigm shift that's going to happen just because of the things you'll see. You know, a level of poverty you've never seen, but also yeah. some of the most beautiful things, beautiful like nature and peoples. Like it's just such a it's it's a rich, rich, rich. Uh, um, uh, land and and continent and so I knew things were gonna shift for me but uh, you know I didn't realize how deep and so anyways I went you know we get there and you know we drive to the village which which takes like it took us two days to get there um, just because of well, not that far truly like if it was in Canada it's like Montreal Toronto it's like six yeah, hours so there's, there's but no it's a, 401 in but there's no no and not only that but like you know you're going through mountains that actually don't have roads like you're not supposed to be driving there it's it's not there's there's no like it, it, you're basically going through rocks and 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 like it's t- it's clearly not a place where cars should be going but there's no other way to get there there's no pretty quick yeah it's 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 it's, it's pretty incredible and so you know we get there after two days of driving and you know we arrive to the, we arrive in the village and there's like 50 
there's at least 50 people that are there welcoming us as soon as we get there. And literally like all those 50 people were my family, like immediate family, which I was like, what? I didn't realize I had such a big family there. It's like, cause my grandfather had four wives and they all had, and, and all of these wives had like six, seven kids and all these kids had six, seven kids. And so wow. it's like, there's like literally uncles and cousins and aunts and grandma and grandpa and like everyone is there and there's like 50 of them and it's all like blood related family and i'm like holy moly that's crazy and then on top of that all the villages surrounding the area uh came and to welcome us because my dad hadn't been back in almost two decades i've never been there so wow. it was like it, it was a huge it was a huge thing um and so there was you know people walked for walked for literally like 12 13 hours to get there to meet us and to meet and to wow. experience this this type of this type of moment um and so we arrived there and you know obviously emotions are are, are all over the place um and we walk in and you know and I, and and I, and I meet my grandfather and, and my grandfather is not a a um uh a very emotional uh person he doesn't show emotion he doesn't really hug people or you know, he, he, he's a very, um, he's a very respected man in Guinea, uh, cause he's an imam, which is, you know, I guess if you want to say, I, you know, I, I'm not too, uh, knowledgeable in religions, but I guess it's like the priest version of, of, yeah. um, of, uh, of the Muslim culture of the Muslim religion. Um, and so he's an imam and he teaches the Quran to, uh, and you, you know, all the young, um, aspiring imams, uh, in the, in the nation. And so, you know, very respected man in that way. And, and when, you know, when we, when we connected, we made eye contact, he started crying and he grabbed me and he started, you know, uh, again, he didn't speak French or English. And so he only speaks, um, Pulakh or, uh, Arabic. And all he can, all he was saying is Alhamdulillah, which means, you know, God, thank you. God, thank you. He's crying. It's like, it's such an emotional, deep moment <laughs> that, immediately started shifting my you know my energy and my space of 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 consciousness in a way that i was like man this is this is such a powerful um you know such a powerful moment and to see how like everyone was connected in this space everyone was there feeling the same things going through the same emotions the connection the human connection that was that was being created in this room in this village was unlike anything i had ever seen it's like everyone was was one everyone was connected and i was you know i i i i started really like like seeing things in ways that i didn't necessarily understand before and spending two weeks there with my grandfather and my grandmother and 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 the, the you know um everyone living in the village um i i got to see certain things that i i didn't truly understand why in our society um you know the, the, in the western world why are we not in this type of space and you know and w one of the biggest things that truly started speaking to me is like the 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 fact that they they again there's there's still there was still no electricity and that was in 2015 there's still no electricity no running water you know they grow they they grew you know their own food they had cows and chickens and you know that's that how they live they live with the land and they live with each other and the level of content the level of fulfillment that they had and i saw i was just like i want that 
I want to feel yeah. like that. I want to feel this content with my life. But why am I not feeling like this with all the opportunities and and mm -hmm. all of the 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 all of the things that we have in 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 Canada and in the Western world? I'm just like, why why are we not more? Why why do we? Well, how come we can't feel like this? And mm -hmm. and one of the biggest things that that came to me is like, you know, one is that you know they they find you know and they 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 are extremely fulfilled with. Again, the human connection that they have with each other, um, mm -hmm. that the depth, the depth that they connect at is 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 deeper than again is deeper than anything I've ever I've ever seen in in our society, and and just that is a way for them to truly, you know, stay in a place of fulfillment because they're there for each other. They 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 love each other. They they I, I was accepted and loved in a way that I had never been loved except obviously for my parents and 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 you know and and, and family but like you know walking into a space with people that I did I've never met and I and I, I didn't know that the amount of love and acceptance that I received from them that had nothing to do with my skating career that was solely with who I was as a human being Mm -hmm. truly spoke to me and i realized that you know this is one of the most important things that we 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 need as as people is this type of connection and at that time when i get when i got to when i got to africa i had stopped skating i decided at that moment i realized i was not going to be because that's the whole mental co construct that was being broken down this is when you're at the low of the low yeah right? I, coming off of the national exactly you're feeling pretty down on yourself exactly i was like and 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 that's that's where i want to i want to tie in the, the the national stories that i left nationals being like uh well who who am i it's like i'm not okay I, i'm not i'm not this national champion that i thought it was going to be and if i'm not national champion like does that mean that i'll ever even be a world or olympic champion and then that's when everything started like deconstructing in my mind i was like holy wait like i might not i might not be olympic champion if this is and if and if i'm not olympic champion and i'm not world champion and i'm not national champion then who, who am I? I i who am i i had i had literally set my entire identity everything was attached to this story and this narrative of being this champion and that's who i was and so if this is not who i am then who am i and this is where i was i was completely i was lost i didn't know anything i didn't i didn't know if i, I and at the time that's when i was like i don't even think i want to skate anymore because all of the reasons why i was skating was all these external reasons to go to the olympics to be olympic champion to be validated to have status to please my mom to please my 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 coach skate canada like all the reasons were external reasons at that time there wasn't any true internal reasons for me to do what i was doing so i was like why why do i even do this Should, like there's no reason for me to skate so i so i actually decided to stop at that moment and i hadn't I, I told myself i wasn't going to get back on the ice until i found a reason to skate that was going to come from within that was going to come from me and the, that's gonna that, that's gonna truly be a, put me in a space where uh or i can say that i want to do this because and that because has nothing to do with anyone other than me um so that's the space that I was in going into going to Africa and then seeing this type of connection, this human connection 
with my family. <clears throat> and the fact that I felt so loved and so accepted for who I was, I was like, that's what I want to give to people. That's what I want to do when I'm on the ice is I want to connect with the human being that is watching me. And I want to, because I, I realized at that time, I was like, one of the things that I do enjoy is doing shows. And then I was like, okay, well, why is that? Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because at, at that moment, I had already started doing a little bit of shows here and there. And I was truly enjoying doing that. And, and, I, and, and I started thinking like, well, so why, why, why is that? Why am I enjoying this so much? And this is where it started you know, uh, coming to me that, you know, again, connecting with an audience, connecting to the music, connecting to myself, connecting all this, this connection, this relationship and this conversation that you're creating with an audience when you're performing, that is truly powerful. And that no one can take away from me. No one can, you know, no one can, people can take away medals, can take away scores, can take away placement, everything, but no one can take away my personal experience with an audience and what I decide to bring and what I decide to communicate with an audience and the way that that is going to be received. Um, no one can take that away from me. So I started, I started bringing that concept that I was starting to feel in, in Africa into, uh, in, into my skating career. And that's when, you know, that's when I truly realized that like, okay, I'm going to now focus on uh, what, what matters to me again, which is performing and connecting to an audience. So that now that I can bring, now we can jump back uh, three years uh, to the year of my last year competing. Um, throughout that journey, throughout those three years, um, a lot of things had changed, and um, and you know, I, I right after this trip to Africa, I you know, I started performing really well, but I also started winning competitions you know i i won uh Oberstdorf right after uh, not right after but you know a few months after that and that's because again i was i was in a space of wanting to connect and perform so i was like okay this is this is truly fulfilling and even if i wasn't winning and i wasn't uh you know uh, getting on podiums i was still enjoying myself to a certain level but i was still in the back of my mind the idea that I needed to still make it to the Olympics. I needed to make it to the Olympics because at least I would have told me that, you know, the work that I have done has been worth it. And again, that type of, that type of conditioning doesn't just snap, you don't, you don't just snap out of that type of thought process and that type of conditioning. So I had still had that in my mind where it's like coming into 2018, I knew that was going to be my last year. No matter what, I didn't want to compete after that. I knew that at that moment, you know, these, this Olympic year was going to be my last, my last season. And so entering the season, I was, you know, in, I was in the best shape of my life. Um, quads were, were, were super easy. Uh, triple axles were easy. My cardio was good. I was in shape. I was ready to, I was ready to rock and roll. Um, and so, you know, summer, summer went great. Uh, and then September comes around and I'm ready. I'm starting to get ready for, um, autumn classic, which was, I think two weeks from that, uh, from, from the beginning of September. <clears throat> so I was getting ready for that. And, um, and as I'm getting ready, there's, uh, there's a, like an accident that happens on the ice. I'm doing my program. I trip and I slam into the boards extremely like, I don't want to say super, super hard, but hard enough 
to have <laughs> messed me up for quite some time. Um, but I didn't hit my head. And Mitch, I know you've dealt with concussions. I know that you know a yeah. lot of us have dealt with with concussions. <clears throat> At that point, when I hit when I hit the boards, my head didn't hit the didn't hit um, the boards. It's only my back. And so I hit, and I was like, oh, like obviously it hurt, but. Um, I, I just started getting up and then I started feeling, you know, when, when, when symptoms just start creeping, they start creeping slowly and, um, and within, and that was, I want to say within 30 seconds of hitting, hitting the wall, um, I started feeling those symptoms and I was like, okay, uh, I think, I think I'm getting symptoms of a concussion, but it's weird cause I didn't hit my head. So it wouldn't necessarily make sense sense at least i didn't think it was going to make sense at the time mm-hmm. so i was like mm-hmm. this feels a little weird i'm just gonna get off the ice call it a day and just go back to go back home and my experiences with concussions at the time had been um fairly easy i had one in 2014 that lasted two weeks but that was my first one and that was the longest one in that point um i'd had four more after that but it was like a 24-hour thing and then a a a two-day thing and one of them was like a three-day thing so i knew that you know i didn't hit my head um i i stopped skating right away i went home i was like you know by tomorrow morning i'll feel i'll feel fine Um, yeah you know you you know how it is it's like you 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 know the athlete mentality right (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, you're gonna be so fine. You're gonna be fine. yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. Tomorrow you'll come back and you'll, you know, you'll start training again. And, and you know, we lost half a day, but it's okay. We'll get it. We'll get. We'll get it done. Um, morning comes around and I'm like full symptoms, like 10, 10 on ten, and I was just like, whoa, this is uh, this is this is a bit crazy. So I decided to go to the rink and just tell Bruno. I'm like, I clearly have a concussion right now. So concussion starts coming in and I'm like, okay, this is, this is not good. So I decided to take a couple of days off and thought it was going to be better. Uh, wasn't any better. Um, so at that point I had missed already like three, four days. I'm starting to get nervous, you know, autumn classics around, you know, and you know how important it is to start the season and be, you know, and, and be momentum. at a certain level momentum, all these things. Like it's such an important thing. So I was like, okay, I gotta, I, I, I got, I gotta do this. So I started forcing a little bit, trying to get back into it. Um, but it was just a disaster. It's like five, 10 minutes on the ice. And like, literally it's like, I was in bed all day the next day. So, uh, so it was, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. And so a week goes by a week and a half and I'm like, okay, I, I feel like we talked with, with my coach and I'm like, okay, we got to pull out of, of autumn classic. And obviously it was very disappointing. Um, we call Canada and you know, it was, it was, it was sad, but I was like, it's fine. You know, Grand Prix are coming around and I'll get, I'll be ready for that. You know, I have some time. And at that point when I decided to, to to uh, pull out of autumn classic i was like i'm gonna take a whole week and i think we had decided almost two weeks off because my grand prix weren't until the end of the the end of the season so i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take two full weeks off of skating and slowly gradually rebuild the process and i started i i, I took those weeks two weeks off and then i started gradually doing a bit more biking and this and that and that and finally after two weeks it didn't necessarily feel that much better but I was like, let's just try get on the ice, see how it feels. Literally five, ten minutes, and I was full of symptoms back home, full of symptoms yeah. that day. And then I was out for like two, three days. Try again, uh-huh. calm down. Boom. I was doing this whole process for, for 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 all of September and then all of October and nothing. At that point I had I had um pulled out of Grand Prix. I was honestly I was in I was in a pretty like deep not not deep but i, I was in this in, in a state of depression in a way because i was like 
you know, first of all, it's like that's a symptom of 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 you know being concussed. Gotcha. It's like you know, an, yeah. anxiety, anxiety is is being triggered all the time. Um, you can't sleep. My nervous system was literally on on a hundred percent the whole time. I wasn't sleeping. When I'm telling you, Mitch and Kevin, like I spent two and a half months, almost three months, and I maybe in the night would sleep for about an hour and a half. Wow. For months and that's months not a and not months. Not a recipe for an athlete. No, when you're and, at the point and, too, you're like, I'm I'm at the pinnacle of my career, and now this, like, yeah, everything yeah. is getting thrown at me. Exactly, and and to me, it was like every single day that went by that I wasn't getting better, or that I wasn't skating. It's like my Olympic dream was slowly going further away from me every day, every day, and seeing it going away from me on a daily basis was ridiculously hard to accept and ridiculously yeah. hard to deal with because I'm, I, I, I was like, like I, like I was ready for this. I wanted to do this. Like why I was, I was in the, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Yeah, this isn't, this you isn't know? Fair. <laughs> this isn't, this is not fair. Like this is, this what I was ready. This was my moment. Always again, going back to that, a little bit of that mentality of like, you know, even though I had, you know, my trip to Africa and like had focused on, you know, uh, performance and all these things, these were truly being fulfilling moments, but I still wasn't able to let go of the fact that in my career, if I didn't make it to the Olympics, I didn't know how I was be able how I was going to be able to deal with that. And so that going on on a daily basis was just was extremely hard. And then, um, and then again, the factor of like not sleeping and when you're not sleeping, you're not healing, you're not getting better. And then when you're not getting better, it causes more anxiety, more depression, not sleeping, not getting better. It's just a cycle that I wasn't able to get out of. Um, It was just, you know, I had, I had, you know, I didn't know what to do anymore. Um, And so one night my, my sister called me. Um, and I had worked with, uh, um, uh, with, with someone, uh, in therapy in terms of like, uh, physical for my concussion and, and all these things. Um, and she, uh, my sister had walked by her, um, during the day and she was like, and, and her name is Dolores. And, uh, my sister was like, so Dolores came to me and she saw me and it was crazy because she, she came to me right away and she, she said that she hasn't been able to stop thinking about you. And I was like, whoa, what do you mean? And then she was like, she's been getting like these, these, you know, these dreams and these kind of like, like these feelings of me just not being well right now. And and again, like I had no contact with her and my sister didn't have any contact with her. So she wouldn't have known necessarily <clears throat> what I was going through at that time, at that moment in my, in my, um, in uh in this in the journey that i was on um and she was like she was like i need to then dolores said to my sister like i need you to i need you to uh relay this message to to elage and she was like what you need i i need you to tell him these these literally these three words and then and then my sister pauses and i'm like what and then my sister literally spoke those three words (laughs) i'm telling you you know it might sound weird to you guys but um, she spoke the words and she said, you need to tell your brother to just let it go. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that the, literally the second she started speaking those words, there is literally, there's a, a, a shift in my mindset that happened that immediately, literally 
took 20 million tons off of my shoulders and off of my chest and i immediately felt liberated with this concept of needing to go to the olympics because i needed it's, it's like i needed someone to tell me to let yeah. go of the attachment of going mm -hmm. to the olympics and accepting the fact that if i didn't compete again you need to be okay with it and you need to find a reason or you need to find it within your Self, a reason for you to feel like your career has been worth it without this Olympic journey. I'm just gonna say th those words started this thought process that literally happened for like the next few hours, where I was in a space where I was I was going through the healing process of accepting that if I didn't compete again, if this is the end of my career, if this is how my career ends at this point, without going to nationals, without going to the Olympics, I'm okay. I'm actually You're okay. I'm yeah. fine. And I, I went through that process of accepting that. And it took, and, and literally it happened so quickly because I started thinking about all the things that I was going to do post career, which I was so excited for was literally right. all the tours that I was going to be on. And I was like, yeah. this is truly what fulfills me the most. And so at right. this point I'm like, this is, I'm, I'm ready. I'm actually ready to start that journey. I'm ready to, 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 to let go of this and start truly what fulfills me the most which is performing without any limits and and, and limitations and 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 do that and that immediately at that moment again when i tell you a weight has been lifted literally within the next few days my because my mood shifted because at, th at that point i wasn't stressed out about needing to make it to the olympics anymore so i let that go so my mood completely changed i was okay with i was i was okay with the healing process because i wasn't trying to force it psychologically to heal right. i was like if it's going to take three months fine either way my next my my next big show or uh, the one that i'm really truly looking forward to is art on us which is in uh february so it's like you know i I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let it go and 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 let myself heal in a way that's that's going to be fine and 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 just you know prepare for that and if that doesn't happen that's fine too because either way I'm starting my show career now so there's no there's no there's no like you know there's no deadlines or anything or or trying to make it to to try to qualify right. or something so so I was like okay cool fine and literally it's 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 insane and and this is something that i think is starting to be proven uh in the scientific world is that your mood and your your psychological state has an effect on whether your body heals faster or not Absolutely. and and that link especially with concussions because it's all it's all within your brain and how your brain is 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 firing and functioning um it started making sense and so my concussion actually started healing so much faster extremely rapidly and i wasn't i was at a point where a week after that moment i was allowed to maybe step back on the ice within a few days which i was like this is crazy i spent three months with no progress or two and a half months <clears throat> with no progress and now within a week i could potentially get back on the ice so i was super super starting to get ex excited about that in a certain way so at that point we were okay so at that point that was end of november end of november i started getting back on the ice and again the process was still very very slow but i had got a phone call from uh someone skate canada saying because my uh, i was talking to bruno thinking we were going to just prepare for nationals at that point um because i was like i honestly i don't even know if i want to do it but then i was like you know what it would be awesome to be able to skate 
at nationals. And one of the things that Bruno told me, he's like, well, you know that you have to qualify for nationals. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you have to do challenge because this year you didn't do any Grand Prix. And last year you weren't on the national team. Right. And so, so you weren't in the top three. You didn't do Grand Prix. Uh, you got to do challenge to qualify for nationals. And I don't know. I don't remember the last time I had to qualify for, for nationals. So I was, I was actually surprised. I was like, oh, my God. And I would look at the calendar. Dude, it wasn't two weeks. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And, I, and, and when I stepped on the ice, I had two weeks to prepare for, for, for challenge. I hadn't skated in over two and a half months. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then when I went back on the ice, I had to spend one week without jumping. I had to restart because, again, my there was another thing that we figured out is that my oculovestibular system was completely thrown off, which was one of the reasons why I wasn't able to skate because anything that had to do with rotations were spiking uh, um, uh, symptoms right away. So I had to slowly build rotations in my skating so literally i spent the first day skating forwards for 45 minutes just forwards i wasn't allowed to turn backwards or turn in any direction just forwards for 45 minutes and then next day just backwards for 45 minutes and then the day after that forwards then slowly turn to backwards and then slowly turn to forward so i had to re i had to teach my system reteach my system how to do rotations without spiking symptoms so i spent a while doing that and then i had a week and then I had a week, about a week, and then uh, maybe three days for the next week after that to prepare for 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 a challenge. Because I think I was competing on on Thursday. I think it was like Thursday, Friday, something like that. Um, and so I had that week, and then three days uh, to start with jumps and programs. <laughs> and again, the jumps I spent one day doing singles, and then the next day doing doubles. So technically, I had like a week to get really ready to start doing cardio and triples in, in, in my in my programs to get to get to challenge. Um, and all of that trying to manage the symptoms because I wasn't fully free of symptoms, but I was able to manage them. Um, and so I started the process. And to my surprise, first day, I went up to triple Lutz without any issues. And one of the biggest reasons why that I speak a lot during my, my, my seminars and the talks that I do is that visualization is a massive tool that every single athlete should use. Because during those, during those three months of not skating, one thing that I did on a daily basis was visualize for about an hour and a half to two hours every day. In the morning, I would do a session. I would In my head, I would sit down and I would tie my skates in my head I would walk onto the ice in my head. I would do my warm-up in my head. I would go through all my jumps. I would go through my program. I would do a full hour practice on the ice, same way that I would do it if I was there, but all of it in my head. You kept your brain And then I would do the working. same thing. I, yeah, That's I kept incredible. my brain. Wow. Yeah, I kept my brain working. And there's some studies that are that are showing that, like, I think it was it was this um, uh, this famous study. Of, they took two teams, two basketball teams. Uh, I think they maybe take like five five players on each team, and one of them for two weeks were allowed to um, to go to the court and take free throws and just shoot free throws for about an hour a day, and and that's what they they did for two weeks. And then the other group um, were only allowed to visualize for two weeks taking free throws, so no physical practice. And when the when the two weeks came, they did a they did a test. Both of them went through. Uh, the, the the test of shooting and the results were insane. I can't remember the percentage 
of of success, but it was something like the 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 the, the people that were visualizing. And again, whoever's listening to this, for you guys go and and find research because i might i i don't know all the details and i don't know the specifics of it but it was something like the 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 people that were visualizing were as successful as the ones that were shooting um uh, that were physically shooting for two weeks and potentially yeah and potentially some of them were even more successful than the ones that were shooting um uh, every day so there is something there that they say that when you're visualizing your body and your mind doesn't necessarily, your, your body, yes, but your mind doesn't necessarily know the difference between when it's real and when it's not. Yep. And so exactly. that's massive. So I was like, okay, let me do that. So I did that for three months. So I never lost the feeling of jumping. I never lost the feeling of, of uh, you know, the, 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 the rhythm of my jumps because I was going through the rhythm in my head. It was still fresh in my head. And so when, when I went back on the ice, I was able to, to, to do it in a way that felt so much better. And of course, I, you know, I, I still, my triple axel was still very inconsistent because that was one that I struggled with when I came back from these two months. Um, but uh, up to triple Lutz and triple S, triple S, well, like it felt really, really good. And obviously quad, I didn't even try because, you know, then I had chances of smoking my head and going back into concussion. So I didn't right. want to do that. So right. I kept it, I kept it at that. Um, but visualization was a huge key. So a week, so a week before nationals, I started prepping my programs. We decided to do maybe one triple axle in the short and one in the long, um, because my triple axle was there, but a bit inconsistent. Anyways, I show up and I skate an almost clean short. I did triple axle step out and then I think like triple flip. And then I did triple let's double toe. I didn't do triple triple. Cause I was like, I don't think I need it to make it to national because I just wanted to make it. I, I didn't care if I placed 12th or 13th or last one to make it. I just wanted to make it to, to nationals because at that point, all I wanted to do is just skate one last time in front of my audience in Canada, the people that have supported me for my entire career. I wanted to connect with them, you know, one last time. And so uh, I didn't care where I placed at, at, um, uh, at, at challenge. And I ended up, I think being my third or fourth in the short and then long program comes around, uh, morning of massive, massive symptoms, obviously because of the stress and the, the music and the, the cheering and the lights and everything. It's like my symptoms kind of flared back up that morning before the long. So it was pretty hard, but we went through the process. I competed. I fell many times um, on a lot of things, uh, but made it through. I can't remember where I placed, but I, I qualified. And so at that point, I was like, okay, great. You pushed through. You made it happen. I pushed through. I made it happen. I was like, you know what? I, I don't care. I just have to I just have to survive. And so after that, you know, I the competition ended. And I was like, okay, now I have. Now we're in beginning of December. And that year, nationals were beginning of January because it's Olympic year. So I had a month. I had a month to get ready. Um, and so what I did is I actually went to Japan to do, uh, to do a show called Christmas on Ice. Um, right after challenge, um, I spent a week there and I, I, I it was great because I got to perform my short program in the show. So I got to continue to practice my cardio and practice my jumps and, 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 and all of that. And I came back and felt good and started getting ready. And then the week, the couple of weeks before nationals, my triple axle started going off again. Um, it wasn't really doing well. And then Liam saved, literally, I got to give the credit to Liam because Liam literally was like, yo, what's wrong with your with your axle? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I can't do it anymore. I don't know what's happening. And then he looked at my my skates and he was like, dude, your your boots are caving in. 
they're like your 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 blade is like sinking into your soul and your blade is basically like on an angle and he was like you should put a shim underneath and at that point i had never even heard of what a shim is i didn't necessarily know what to do or or whatever so he's like put a shim on this side so that you can realign like the 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 uh, so the blade is is flat or is straight down and you guys maybe might be able to tell me more in detail well, Kevin, Ru- but- Kevin Ru- yeah, the gym it's, it's funny you describe <laughs> you, well, you find all this uh, uh what is it close to the end of uh, your competitive career no nobody told you to- yeah literally before yeah. my last competition <laughs> But seriously, no, but it's like my skates were, they were pretty, you know, I had had them for quite some time. And, and, um, at that point, you know, uh, I, they, they were starting to, they were starting to break down, especially because when I got back on the ice, like when I started feeling better, I literally was on the ice for three to four hours a day. I was like, I'm feeling good now. I need, I, I need to make up on time. So I was training like nonstop for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours every single day. So I was putting a lot of pounding on my skates in a way that I had never, never really done, um, especially because I was working a lot more on jumps because I needed to get the consistency. I was doing a lot of programs. So there was a lot of pressure that was going into my skates. And so, and so anyways, but my triple axle wasn't, wasn't really happening. And so he put, he put a shim on one side and literally I stepped on the ice the next day and boom triple axel was back 10 on 10 no no issues and i was like thank you liam you <laughs> literally say you, he's he's a big reason why i competed the way i competed at nationals because my triple axel was consistent when i got to nationals yeah. whereas literally yeah. the week before it wasn't because of because of uh, you know uh, my, my my boot was a bit uh, uh, was a bit crooked because of the pounding that i'm that i'm doing i love my jackson skates everyone okay i'm not criticizing jackson skates whoever's <laughs> listening to this All they're the good. best skates ever okay <laughs> anyway so 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 that being said i show up at nationals and i'm just like in a complete state of gratitude because i'm like man i'm here I get to compete yeah. one last competition in Canada and nationals back in Vancouver where I won uh, my junior title and I haven't been back here competing in 10 years. And oh, so cool. this is like, it just felt so good. I felt so grateful. And I remember stepping on the ice for the first practice and because I didn't, um, you know, because I didn't win challenge or have Grand Prix or anything, I wasn't in the last flight. I was in the second to last flight and I'm literally on the ice with, with uh, Steven Gogolev, with Conrad, with Joseph Fenn, like kids, you know, like, like I, I probably yeah. have like 10 years, 15 years on yeah. him. And I remember being the young kid coming into nationals and, and being there with like, you know, the, the, the Bond Chippers, the Jeff Buttles, the Sean Sawyers and being the young kid. And now I'm looking here, I'm like 27, I think I was 27 years old. And I'm here with like these 16, 15, 13 year olds. And I'm like, oh my God, things have changed. This is crazy. Um, I'm now the, I'm now the, yeah, I'm now the old dog in here. And I felt so good because I was like, you know, these kids are great and I'm here. And, and, you know, I, I feel, I feel like all my experiences um, have come to this moment. And I'm just, I, I was just so grateful to be on practices. So I was, I was fully, fully enjoying every moment during that time and it's crazy because i don't i don't think i've ever there's maybe a couple times in my career like for example uh the year i won oberstdorf for uh at one point in in russia for uh for cup of russia there's certain moments in my career where the competition from beginning to end felt good um there's usually like ups and downs some of them feel terrible 
Um, but this one just felt good from the moment I got there. I was like, this is, this is great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so grateful. This is, this is where I want to be. So practices go well. And then, um, and then obviously I'm continuing with all the visualizations and, and everything. And, and the morning of the short program, um, and this is, this, this is true story. Um, the morning of the short program, I'm warming up, uh, in the main, uh, in the main rink and I'm watching, I don't know who was practicing. It might've been dance you guys or, uh, or, or the girls. I'm not sure, but I'm warming up for my practice and, it's it's crazy because my mind i started getting flashes and visions of things that i've been visualizing which is the type of performance that i had um in the short program i started getting flashes of me like you know finishing and having and like it's not just like uh psychological it's also emotional i started getting the feeling like what it what it felt like to I mean, you guys know as athletes, like when you work hard for something, you go out there, you perform and you do it exactly the way that you wanted to do it. That feeling is one of the most powerful and incredible feelings yeah. of accomplishments you can, you can feel as a, as a human being. It's undescribable. So I started yeah. feeling that as I'm warming up and as I'm seeing myself finishing program, raising my hands, crowd going up, uh, feeling this type of emotions are starting to like, to, to really get deeper and deeper in, in my body that I'm, and I'm telling this and I'm not ashamed of it at all. I'm super proud of it, but I started crying hmm. in that moment. I start, I'm, I'm warming up. I had to stop warming up because I'm, 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 I'm in a state where I'm crying because of how grateful I am for this moment and how excited I am to live this moment. Because I knew I had no, it's kind of all clicked. I, I had, clicked, yeah, right, yeah, it, like right there, it fully clicked in that moment. I had no doubt that this was the type of performance that I was going to, uh, that I was going to have because of everything that I was, that what I was feeling and everything that I had gone through. I was like, this is what I want to do, and this is what I'm going to do. And because one of the things that Liam and I at the beginning of the season, one of the things that we kept reminding each other is like, how do you want to remember? these last competitions how do you want to remember this nationals how do you want to rem remember the end of your career and for me it yeah. always went back to a feeling of fulfillment a feeling of being proud of what i've done in terms of performance wise right and so i'm there and i'm like i'm i'm, I'm literally i'm crying and i had to stop myself for a second because i'm like i got to keep warming up but i actually decided to let myself get through it and, and go to it because i was like i was, I was it, it felt so so powerful and so i get on the ice I do my practice, everything feels good. And then I, 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 I get out and then usually I go to the hotel and I sleep and nap and all these things. I felt so energized. I felt so good. Like I didn't even, I didn't even sleep. I, I, I just sat down and Michelle was staying with me. And that was the first time she ever came to one of my competitions. We only been dating for a few months at that time. Um, so I spent time with her. I was so happy. Um, and then I get to the rink and I'm getting ready. And again, this feeling is still inside of me. These, these images are still going through my head and I'm, I'm, I'm just like in a state of like, okay, I just, I just want to, I just want to go out there and experience this moment. Um, and so moment comes to step on the ice, call my name. I start the program and as I'm starting the program, I'm fully immersed in my choreography. I'm feeling the ice. I'm feeling the moment. It feels really good. But 
I start getting little flashes in my head of last year's nationals where I started my program and on the triple flip, which is my first jump in the program, I landed forwards and then slammed into the boards in front of the judges. That's how my program started last year. So I started getting a bit of those flashes going through my head and I was like, okay, I just need to get through this triple flip and, and then we're good. And so triple flip comes in, feel good, landed. And then I go around triple axle, triple S, triple toe. And when I landed that triple S, triple toe, I started as I'm, as I'm going through uh, that process, it's like, usually it's like the crowd, you know, crowds slowly build, you know, it's like you start the program and, you know, you do something, they applaud, they scream a little bit, but slowly it builds to that point of, of, um, of you, of like a volcanic eruption usually. But with this, with this moment, it was so weird because as soon as I landed that first jump, that triple flip, I could already feel the crowd's power and the crowd's excitement. Like they reacted in a way that it's just a triple flip. Like it's not, it's like, I, I didn't do a quad Lutz or a quad flip or, or, or whatever. It's a triple flip, but the crowd already, I can feel their energy is a little bit higher than what I'm usually used to. So I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Then I go through triple axle and triple S, triple toe. And every time I did the jumps, it's like the crowd was already like at a level that it was higher than, than what, than usually the, where you are in a conversation. They were, oh, I they were already I remember. I remember that energy. I was a part of it sitting in the, in the crowd and it, you're right. It was, it was, um, it's like almost like this anticipation was building as you were skating through the program. Like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. he's going to do it. He's going to, he's going to lay down that performance that he wants to, to finish his mm -hmm. career. And, and you mm -hmm. know, everybody, everybody loves the lodge and we all wanted to see, to, to see that for you. And we wanted it so bad for you. And, and so I, I think that is a lot of where that, uh, energy was coming from. Sorry to cut you off. Yep. So I'll continue. Yeah, no, I, I, and, and, and you know what? And I could, I could feel it in ways that I, I, I was so, and that's the thing. I was so present. I was so in tune with the audience that I could feel that. Like, yeah. like it, it was, you know, you, you could it was cut a beautiful through. thing, wasn't it? <laughs> it was man. And so then I started my, my footwork and I'm going through it. And, and there's a moment in, um, in the song, I have chills because it, 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 you know, going through it um, is just so powerful. There's a moment in my footwork where he sings such a powerful note. I can't remember what it is. And I do this, this move where I like, I put my hands together and I like, I, I raise them towards the roof. And, and as I'm doing this, this, this moment, my energy is rising, but the crowd starts like getting louder during that, that moment. And it started really building from that point on. And I was like, man, this is what this already. It was like, one of the most magical moments I had experienced. And so I finished the footwork finish and then I do my, my spin. And as I get out of my second to last element, um, I start going into my last spin and I start seeing people standing up yes. before, before my, my spin even started my last spin. there's 30 seconds left into the program and I'm seeing the crowd standing and I'm just like, Oh my God. God, what is happening? And so I get into my spin, and obviously, only things going through my mind are don't mess this up now. <laughs> hold it together. Hold it hold together. It to, just so hold it. Don't mess this up now. You got one element left. Just finish it off strong. Finish it off strong. And as soon as I get out of it, like the the the, the emotion that was flying through people's bodies that was coming to me was just literally the most powerful thing and that mixed with the feeling of accomplishment of being like i did it and not only did i do it but everything that i just went through for the last three months yeah. 
the the deep like the the deep anxiety the depression the the hardship that i went through and then being now in this moment and having done it in this way oh my god literally the most magical moment i could have experienced and then the crowd just reward they rewarded me with the most beautiful gift that i could ever receive to finish off a career and and I, I i just i i again it was it was extremely powerful and and that changed the course of my career it changed the way yeah. i approached everything from that point on and and the fact that i experienced that at that moment i was like i'm done i don't even need yeah. to do the long program i don't even want to do the long program because this yeah. this is the most rewarding and fulfilling experience of my career and this is worth more for me than going to the olympics and placing 15 or 12 yeah. or whatever you yeah. know what i mean this is this Absolutely. type of experience will stay with me for the rest of my life and this feeling will never go away and the way that we connected myself and the thousands of people that were there that type of connection no one can take that away from me so that goes back to that moment in africa when i realized what was happening and i realized the type of connection that i wanted to have with my family and then i wanted to bring that to an audience that was the 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 um com, com, is it culmination or like the yeah yeah uh, yeah everything went came full circle from that moment and I was like this this moment right now is literally the only thing that I needed to experience and wanted to yeah. experience in my career and um and 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 that was that and then I I got and then obviously I had to do the long program because at that point I was third in the short yeah. You know, I was, I, I think I, I, I was a point from second, uh -huh. which second was, uh, was, uh, was a place to make it to the Olympics. So then it's like, then it's like, you know, the mind start thinking and it's like, well, you know, I'm one point from second. Like, I mean, who knows? Like I could maybe make it to the Olympics, maybe not. I mean, I hadn't, I, at that point I had accepted that I wasn't going to the Olympics because that's not even, you know, that's not the, that was in the motive for me to even go to national. So the fact that I was this close was a real test for me of like, okay, well, how, how is this going to affect your mindset going into tomorrow? And it was, it was really hard. I truly had to like sit back and like really dive back into like why I'm here, which is to focus on, on, on my performance because that could have easily shifted into like, okay, well, I want to make it to the Olympics. And then going back to that old, that old mindset that probably would have, would have, uh, um, would have been uh, difficult to deal with, and and the pressure I would have put on myself, knowing myself, I probably wouldn't have had the performance that I had in the law program. And so I I came in the next day, and I I stayed with my mindset, and I wanted to try quad because my quad was getting better. Actually, I landed I landed a few during the practices in 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 at national, so I was like maybe I'll put it in. But I tried one, the first one I tried in the practice, I fell, and my my back just locked up real hard, like full lock i couldn't rotate um i was like okay i gotta get off the ice and so i was i was i was there i was in pt uh, they worked on my back for an hour and then michelle um we went back to the hotel and she worked on my back for like another two hours trying to release some tension um but at that point i was like i don't care even if i don't have a good performance and my back is is not allowing me to do it it's fine but then i went back to like why is this happening why, why is my back like i i'm here yeah. i'm feeling good why is my back yeah. seizing up right now you know um and so you know and then i i, I went to the rink and i i got ready for for the competition and as i'm warming up to get on for the six minute warm-up again i was i was crying because i was like this is the last time i'll ever compete here 
this is the last one. This is it. Like, this is, I will never do this again. And I will never compete again. Because I didn't even think I was going to go to for continents. For me, it was, right. it was going to be, it was going to be it. So I, I was, I was, I was honestly, like, I had tears of joy. I was, I was, I was crying. And I was really, really in the space of gratitude. Because I was like, I'm so grateful that I get to do this again one last time and and be here with my audience so i was again in that space and then you know program comes in and i start really strong with two triple axles and everything goes well i did a couple mistakes a step out here and there um but again i finish and the crowd goes up and the, the energy is insane and then i backflip off off the <laughs> off the ice into into the <laughs> kissing that. crowd I'll never forget and, that <laughs> <laughs> you know and well, so i want to I want to say too, man, like you, you were talking a little more specifically about the short and, and you know, you finished that program and, and just the gifts that, that the crowd and the audience gave to you. But I think it was, it was, us that was, you know, that we're happy and, and fortunate and excited about the gift you had given to us, which was not just that short program. It was, it was, you know, what, 15 years of competing at national championships and, and, um, you know, people, people, kind of like you said it comes to that culmination for both you and the audience and, and everyone's just so grateful and so excited that um that you were able to do that at your last event so yeah again it, it, i think it was i think it was you that gave us uh us the gift that weekend well thank you man i, I appreciate it and, and clearly it goes both ways because i i like till this day when i think of nationals i get chills when i think of my short program i get chills even the long program yeah. Um, and even like it took me a long time. Like I didn't watch my nationals performance uh, like for for almost a year after nationals. And then when I truly yeah. when I watched it a year later, I, I cried. I cried because yeah. I was like, this like this is like it, that's what it's all about. again like it's that's what it's all about exactly. Mitch. That's what exactly. it's all about, and that's what I want to give like skaters the opportunity to feel just that that sense of fulfillment with yourself and with your performance. And again, yes, you know, the stage that it was at, you know, uh, had a certain effect and the crowd, the way that they reacted had a certain effect. But again, it's like the, 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 the feeling that I had just for myself and my performance was, you know, that's where you find true fulfillment. And I, I really want to encourage skaters to, 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 to feel that because it's, it's a feeling that you don't, you know, it, it beats, skating meteor skating in a way that doesn't you know that, that didn't make you feel super happy and then winning oh it's a you journey know? right it's it, a, it, the it, journey it, and the hardships that you have to go through that make that end result whether whether it be exactly a win or a clean skate or just nailing the jumps i mean that the journey that you go through is so much more yeah. important than the result yeah and it may but it Absolutely. does make that result so bittersweet you know it does it does and the journey like you said the journey is where you'll you'll be able to look back and and actually um you know that'll that'll dictate whether whatever result came from that that'll dictate whether you're you 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 feel uh happy about that or not you know because again the journey is what you're what's it's what you truly remember you know yes you'll remember well, exactly. that moment. What, what are you going to remember in, in 30 years when you're you know with telling stories to your grandchildren or whatever it might be if you're fortunate enough to have some um yeah what what are you going to remember right like exactly it's, it's um the winning the Neville Hearn championship um you know that's always going to be something you're proud of but that that national championships your last event where where you you know you 
brought the crowd to their feet and there was that big kind of release of, of all these years of sort of, um, you know, struggle and, and, and sacrifice. And, um, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's what's your, yeah. what you're going to remember decades from, uh, from now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I know, I know you were there, Mitch, but, um, you know, I, again, I, I, I thank everyone who was there and, you know, it was, it, it's something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. So thank you everyone who were, who were part of it. There's so much more, there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Um, if we, you want to do episode two, like at a later time, we'll get this one sure. going. Let's, um, let's do a part two. But, but this was, I mean, I've I've done the research. I've been following you, you know, from a Jackson standpoint. And there's so much to this story that I knew nothing about. And and to find right. out the hardships and the, the the struggles that you've been through, and I'm sure there's way more we can dive into. It's just, man, it's incredible mm-hmm. to be able to hear your story and 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 you know impart on us. I I think the biggest part that we can all take away from this too like you said for the kids is it's a, it's a journey. It's the struggles that you go through. It's not always yep. envisioning you're going to be on top of the podium. You know, maybe you have to envision yeah. the struggles you're going to have to go through as well. Um and, and that's a part yep. of visualization and mindset challenge you have to be ready for. Absolutely. And and I think one of the things that helps uh young skaters is to know that they're not alone that they, they they're not the only ones going through that because i remember at some point in my life like i was wondering whether i was the only one experiencing some of the hardships i was going through and i didn't know like i was watching like you know people like that were at the highest level like at the time like dice gay stefan lambiel and push Janko and Jeff and Patrick and I was like do they go through some of the same hardships that I'm going through right now and that's mm-hmm. the thing yes everyone does of course everyone does yeah, everyone a, goes through the power of social because media like, has to be exploited to to te- tell this story and to tell these hardships that people go yes through. Yeah. yes yeah. Abso- absolutely because yeah it's, it's such a crucial thing and, and 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 I think once people know that the people at the top are human beings just like everyone else and they go through the same thing just like everyone else um that you know it's relatable and it, it's it, yeah, it's inspiring and and it's yeah there's huge comfort in that so anyways uh thank you guys for doing what you're doing um i think that the skating the skating world needs more of those conversations and the skating world yeah. needs to heal we all need to heal we all need to be part of this change uh that i think is happening is going to happen in, in, in skating and i'm uh, i'm glad to be part of it and i want to thank you guys for having me today i oh, appreciate you coming on a lot thank you so much wow what an amazing talk we had uh is just he's been through so much in life that i think you know he's told certain parts of the story but when you really dive into it you see there's so much more that's going on um, you know, from a youth standpoint and you see what's built up over time. I mean, this guy's been through so much, but he puts on such a face on the ice that is amazing that pe- people want, people want him for shows. People want him to come help choreograph and whatnot. I mean, he's created quite a life for himself post-skating, post-competitive career. Absolutely. And Kevin, I think it speaks to, you know, Elijah's strength and, and his persistence. Um, we heard straight from him the the difficulties that he dealt with through his career, whether it was injuries or what have you. 
um, and look where he's at now, right? So I think the way he's dealt with with adversity and, and persisted is is a testament to to his strength as a person. And I think you know one of the most interesting things for me from from our discussion with Delage was. Um, you know, the, the, this idea of emotional and, and mental strength and stability for, for him, it was reconnecting to his family, um, you know, in some of his darkest days where injuries just kept happening and snowballing and he couldn't get on a roll. He couldn't get any momentum. Um, it was about kind of slowing down and, and reconnecting to his family and, you know, the strength he found after that. Um, again, I think that's something we can all learn from. So yeah, uh, a, great, you know, great discussion. You got, you got to be able to, to, hit the pause button at some point, right? I Absolutely. Mean, it, when there's so much going on and you start putting yourself, and that's the mental aspect that you start putting yourself in this one thing and leads to another and it's all caused by one and, you know, this is leading to this and all that. And when you start thinking like that, that that's when you start spiraling downwards into that deep, dark hole. So, I mean, so important to, to when something's just you think is going on or you know is going I mean, take a step, take a step to reflect, pause, and but reflect on, you know, the things that are being, that are good, that are going right too. There's so much yeah, that without, can go right in a time of wrong, you know? Without question. And, and just before we sign off here today, Kev, too, I think it's important um, to, to continue the discussion that we, we were having with Elijah just about, you know, young boys in skating and, um, you know, the challenges they face and, and we need more boys in skating. So, um, again, I want to continue this discussion. I think there's great initiatives going on, um, in our sport started by, um, male figure skaters. Um, you look at, uh, something like Topic. Um, these are fantastic initiatives and again, we need more boys on the ice. So, um, I hope we can continue this discussion. You know, I think there's so much more awareness that we can bring to many different aspects of the sport from the mental aspect to, you know, increasing the boys participation, which we'll get into with a later guest. Um, but, you know, it's important to make sure that you take the time again it, to pause and reflect. We're, we're in such a time right now with COVID and the pandemic and everything going on that you, it's easy to get down on yourself. But when you take the time to pause and reflect and, and look at all the positive things that are happening around you, you start realizing that there are a lot of good things happening right now. And we have to remember that and we have to remember to stay positive. So, uh, looking forward to our next guest and, uh, well, Mr. Mitch, I'll see you next week. Cheers guys. That was fun.